song. Such a powerful song. Thank you, Mr. Hafer, for that. Um, before we get into this, let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you and we give you praise, Lord God, for this time with you, Lord God, that we've set apart, Lord, to hear from you, to be in your presence, oh Lord God. We thank you that your spirit is here with us now, no matter where we may be in our rooms, in our homes, and wherever we are, your spirit is there to minister to us, Lord God. Uh, right now, I just want everybody just to, whatever happened this week, whatever's going on, wherever your mind may be, just let everything go for, for the next at least hour or so and just allow God to minister to you this morning. Lord, I just pray right now for each and every single member that they would hear your word, Lord God, that deliverance would come, that you would their hearts would be blessed, Lord God, that they would feel refreshed, Lord God, that they would find peace, Lord God, they would be filled with joy, they would be rejuvenated, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Use me, Lord God. For, uh, for you, Lord God, to deliver your word. Use my voice, Lord God, to minister, Lord God, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, good morning, everyone. Uh, we pray that you guys had an awesome uh, week this week. Um, we are enjoying some great weather, so we thank God for that. So this morning... Let's just get into it this morning. Um, the title of this morning's message is Understanding Righteousness, Understanding the Righteousness of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Understanding the Righteousness of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And I'm, I'm going to have going to do a little exhortation this morning um, to get us going. So we're going to go on a journey to understand the righteousness of God. And so um, as perhaps daunting as the topic may sound to some, I just wanted to let us know the reason why we teach certain topics in our ministry. And the reason we teach these topics uh, is because your pastors want to make sure that every person understands the scripture, that you experience God for yourself, and most of all, that you would have freedom in your soul, okay? That's our aim, that you will be, have that true freedom. And true freedom, you know, is not about doing what we want necessarily. It's not about doing what we think is right. True freedom is actually doing what is good and right for us. That's, that is that thing which comes from God, amen? That's true freedom. True freedom is actually found in submission to God and his word. That's where we're gonna find true freedom because the truth is that we don't always know what's right for us, amen? Do we, do we always know what's good and right for us? I think if we really knew what was right for ourselves, our world, would it be the place that it is? I think that if everybody understood what was good for us, this place would be a totally different place to live. We would always do the right thing for ourselves, for each other, and it doesn't happen. So that means we don't actually know what that is. So in order to find that, we, we need God. 
we need God. Like this morning, I, I really enjoyed Sunday school because uh, we talked about relationship and having faith, faith in God and, and what that looks like and what, what that brings us to. So I just wanted to say that because um, it, it's important to understand because sometimes these topics may sound uh, very meaty to, to some people. And um, I'm going to try to break it down as simple as possible this morning. But I wanted us to know what exactly our aim is. Okay. Um, our aim as, as your pastors here is to not chain you to fear, but deliver you from fear and deliver your souls. Okay. To present, to be able to present you to God. Amen. So uh, the righteousness of God, like I said, is a crucial it's a crucial, crucial piece. Why is it crucial? Because we need it for spiritual warfare. When we lack the knowledge of how to fight in this life, and we all know that there's a fight in this life, if we don't have the knowledge to properly fight, then we will lack success in our life. Not only will we lack success, but it's, um, it is also crucial to understanding who we are in Christ. Because when we don't know who we are in Christ, we won't know who we really are, who God made us to be. And we won't also know our purpose in our role in this life. So knowing the righteousness of God is going to be that, that portion that helps us to succeed in our life here on this earth. Okay. And what we have to understand is that there's an enemy. Um, in this world, the enemy is going to always try to keep us uh, from that fullness. Uh, he's always going to try to bring us down, always try to put guilt, shame, condemnation, um, have us have hangups in life. That, that's, that's the whole purpose of what the enemy does. But what God does, and that's what we're going to get into this morning, is through the through the sacrifice of the son from being in relationship with him is free us from all that. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So um, our journey is understanding, experiencing righteousness. And we're going to actually answer these four questions this morning to get there. Okay. These are the four questions we're going to answer. The first question is going to be, what is righteousness? Because I want everybody, all of us to understand what righteousness is. The second question is, why do we need righteousness? The third one is, why was Noah considered the preacher of righteousness, even though he was before um, Christ, right? Even though he was before the law came, even before all that. God considered him the preacher of righteousness. And the last question we're going to answer is, how did the people of God have righteousness before Christ came to earth? How did the people of God have righteousness before Christ came? Okay, so let's start. The definition of righteousness. So if we look at the worldly point of view of what righteousness is. The worldly point of view says it's the quality or state of being morally correct or justifiable. 
So what that means is that you or me or whoever that we are so free of guilt, shame, and condemnation that we can call you morally correct or we can call ourselves morally correct, right? The problem with that worldly point of view is, and this is why I had that introduction, is because we cannot completely call ourselves free of guilt, shame, and condemnation on our own. Yes, can we do that on our own? Can we, if you ask yourself truly, can I consider myself completely justifiable, free, morally, morally perfect, morally good? My thoughts are good all the time. Can we do that? Can we honestly answer that and say, yes, I can? If you're honest, if we are honest with ourselves, we'll fall short based on that definition. So in God's eyes, we are righteous. So now we're getting to God's definition, right? So in God's eyes, we are righteous when we are right with him, right? When we are in right relationship with him. And being right with God is the highest form of righteousness. So the question is, how do we become right before God, right? So the answer to that is actually twofold this morning. And it's two things. The first is faith. And the second one is obedience. It's twofold. James 2.14, that's in the New Testament. James 2.14 says, what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him? If we simply just sit somewhere, just quietly to ourselves all the time, or just lay, you know, I'm, I'm speaking in a spiritual sense, not physically, okay? Just lay there and just lie down and just say to ourselves, I believe in Christ. And you keep we keep it to ourselves. What good is our faith if no one knows about it? What good is our faith if it doesn't show in our action? in who we are, what good is it if it's just there, right? Which is why the two get go hand in hand. And righteousness is no different. Okay, so James furthers that point. I know this one's going to hit a little bit hard this morning, but James furthers that point. It's, it's in scripture. I'm, I'm not the one saying it. James 2.19 says, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So there has to be a distinction, right? Demons know God. They know that he exists. So what would be the difference between us and them? What makes us righteous? What makes them not righteous, right? Do we show the fruits of righteousness? Is that something a little bit we'll talk about right now? What, what, the, and it's really simple. The fruits of righteousness is 
the character of God. If we are uh, righteous and we're showing that and we're obeying that and we're following that and we're in that, then you will see the character of God. Honesty, meekness, God's love, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and, and so on and so forth. Okay. Um, at the same token, like I said, we can't only just have good works. It can't only be outward, right? It also has to be an inward thing. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works, as James 2.18. Uh, Abraham, right? Abraham, we talked about him this morning. Uh, James 2.21 and 23 says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac as on the altar and the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. So my point to this is that Faith and works go hand in hand. So let's so let's round out our definition for righteousness. So righteousness in the biblical sense is having faith that by Jesus's righteousness we are made right. We're not made right on our own righteousness. We're made right because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. So because of that sacrifice, because we believe in Christ, then we are righteous. And I want each and every single person, wherever you are, to say to yourself, I am righteous. I am righteous. And we are free from that guilt and that condemnation and shame. And we are justifiable because of what God Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what somebody did to you It that makes you feel shame and guilt. Because of the blood of Jesus, all those things are washed clean, slate clean, brand new. That's why the scripture says that we are a new creation in him. Don't let the devil play with your thoughts. Don't let him bring things up from the past to make you weigh down. Jesus has done it on the cross already. Hallelujah. He has done that sacrifice. Our hearts are clean. Your mind is clean because of that. So when we say, I am the righteousness of God, and I, I want us every single time the enemy attacks, I want you to say that. I am the righteousness of God, not your own right. It's God's righteousness. What Jesus did on the cross and take that on. Amen. Amen. So um, as, as we continue on, so let's continue on, right? Um, they, like I said, they go hand in hand. And so uh, righteousness is having that faith, right? So we take on that faith that we are made right. Therefore, we are in also enabled to do right in God's eyes. Do you see how the two work? And that's why I went through it before. Because we have been made right, because we are free from guilt, we are free. And if, and if you're struggling with that, then that's something that you're going to have to repeat to yourself over and over and jot down these, these verses this morning and repeat it to yourself. Oh, because that sometimes that's what it's going to take. And um, 
you know, the battle is, is it starts really, it's in our mind. And if we want to get a full hold of the righteousness of God, I'm telling you, we will have success in our life. We will be fulfilled in our life. We will find contentment in life because we are letting go of our hangups. Hallelujah. We're going to just release them and give them to God. And because we're releasing them, because we're letting them go, it enables us to do what God wants us to do. What's right in God's eyes. Amen. We become pleasing to him. We are right before God. God, even if we make a mistake, people of God, I want us to understand, what if, if we make a mistake, no matter how many years you've been in, in or, or how short or how long, it doesn't matter. If we make a mistake and we come sincerely before God, we are forgiven. You are forgiven. God cleanses. You still have the righteousness of God on you. We take on that righteousness from Jesus' sacrifice so that everything is cleansed and we are set free. Amen. And the importance of that is, you know, let's, let's, let's do this because I think a lot of us have traveled before, right? We've all traveled. What's the difference between traveling with five bags and traveling with one duffel bag. Who is going to get to the airplane first? Right? Can, don't you guys remember? You're, you're at the airport. You have all these luggages. You're struggling with all your luggages. You're trying to get to your, to your, uh, air, to your airplane. It's about to depart. Who travels faster? Who travels better? Who will travel more content? Is it not the one with just one? luggage right you just go and you go in and you right so it's the same thing when we allow those things to weigh on us we're going to be discontented we're going to grumble because we, we we are constantly having to to pull all that weight with us all the time meanwhile god made provision when we have faith and what God has done and let it go, give it to God, put it under the blood of Jesus. God has done everything. God makes everybody new, doesn't matter so that we could fulfill our purpose, amen? Okay, um, I hope uh, we're all following still this morning. Um, the, the, book, the book filled with so much wisdom, Proverbs 21, the book of Proverbs says this, uh, Proverbs 21, verse 21, he says, he who follows righteousness, he who follows what? Righteousness and mercy finds what? Finds life, righteousness, and honor. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to feel life within them? You know, life is, what is life? Life is energy. Life is fulfillment. Life is peace, joy, grace, the grace of God, renewed strength, peace, joy, all these things, and honor and more righteousness. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. This scripture was said because Jesus uh, was trying to explain to the people not to worry about what they were going to wear and what they were going to eat all the time. He rather said to them, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. Pastor Steve said it this morning. I'm going to reiterate it. All these things are, they just get, they, they're, um, they're byproducts of our relationship with Christ. They're automatic. They just come with the territory, right? They just come. When, when we go to Tiffany's and we buy a bracelet or their chain, we like the little boxes, right? They're pretty boxes. It comes with it. It's a package. It's a whole package. Even though what you want is on the inside, but it's a whole package. So, so is this life. So are these things. There's no need for us to worry about them because when we seek God, when we seek his righteousness, what's what he has for us. That's why we're talking about his righteousness. His righteousness is it includes a lot that we, we this is why we're going through it, because I want us to have um, we want us to have you to have or all of us to have that full understanding of what that is, because when we understand it, then we can fulfill that purpose and mandate that God has for us. Amen. So um, let's apply that to our hearts and our minds, understanding and accepting God's righteousness for our lives. Amen. Okay, let's go to our second. Everybody ready? Everybody's on the same page? What time? So second question. What's well, sort our of second question, right? So that's the righteousness of God. We all have it, right? Do I need to repeat the definition or are we good? Yes. Okay. Uh, number two, why do we need righteousness? Why do we need it? If you're not convinced at this point, I'm going to clarify it. Why do we need righteousness? Ephesians 6, 10 to 14, uh, I think is the, the best place for us to, to start with. And I'm going to read it. Ephesians chapter 6, that's the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 14. Ephesians 6, 10 to 14. And it reads, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm going to pause for a second. There's two things here. It says to put on the whole armor that we may be able to stand against what? The wiles of the devil. That's the schemes of the devil the plots of the devil, okay? There's things that we are not aware of all the time that happen, and we have to be aware of them, that they're there, they happen. There's things that in the spirit, in the spiritual realm that we don't always see, but they manifest physically, perhaps through people, perhaps through situation, whatever, whatever have you, right? Next, so, so we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That means that our fight is not with another human being, flesh and blood. It's not against the neighbor. It's not against the murderer per se. It's not, that's not our fight, but it says, but against what? Principalities, 
against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's just, just describe the spiritual realm. And that's exactly what I'm speaking to you about. There's things in the spiritual realm that have people think things. So they act on it because they think that that is their thoughts. That is the way to do things. Does that make sense? And there's, you know, and we, we feed into them. That's why this says to put on the armor of God. Okay, let's continue. That you may be able, so it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having the breastplate of righteousness. And as we see here, it's a crucial part in standing against the enemy. It uses the word stand multiple times, that you may be able to withstand in what day? evil days. And having done all, after you do everything that you know to do, that's right, you pray, you meditate on scripture, you've done everything and you're still dealing with those situations. What do you continue to do? It says, stand. You continue to stand on the word of God. You continue to stand in your righteousness. You continue to stand on the truth of God and stand therefore, having girded your waist in truth with the breastplate of righteousness. And then it continues to detail other things, but I wanted to stop here because it's talking about the breastplate of righteousness. And I want to emphasize how important it is in spiritual warfare and our, our life as a believer, okay, in Christ. So from this scripture in the New Testament, we're gaining insight why we need the righteousness of God along with other things. So why do we need it? It says it right there in the scripture. So we can be strong in the Lord, strong in the power of God's might, so that when the and the schemes of the enemy come, the storms, the battles, the trials, the difficulties, the persecution, the 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 everything, the tests that come in life will stand strong. So we'll be able to stand strong. I want actually, I want everybody to say right now. I stand strong in the power of God's might. And I put on the breastplate of righteousness this morning. Amen. We have to put that breastplate on. It's so important. That breastplate is our, in our mind. Right? The battle starts here. So when we have, what does a breastplate do? A breastplate. If if a dart or, or a knife comes to jab or it, it it won't go through, it can't penetrate. Okay, it, it it'll it'll just stop. Because that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants to attack our identity as Christians. He doesn't want us to know our righteousness. He doesn't want us to stand in that and put on that breastplate because he knows when we do, he won't be able to jab no matter what happens. It, it just, it's not going to work. And we're going to instead be strengthened on the inside. You know, even though we're going through a battle, we'll still have joy. 
we'll still have peace and we'll have more strength. That's what happens when you continue to stand through storms in God's strength. Amen. And, um, you know, I, I really saw this um, in my life. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've gone through attacks and I, I want to be sincere and plain. I've gone through attacks that have affected my mind, you know, uh, false accusations, shaming, uh, blows at my character. Um, but because I, I knew God's righteousness, I have a relationship with Christ, I was able to just stand. And what I did instead was I built myself up more on his righteousness. That's what I did. And and sometimes if, 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 if any of us are going through a battle right now, no matter what kind of battle it is, learn more, deepen your, your understanding of God's righteousness, because I, I, it, I, I saw it in my own life. It helps you so much more to undertake what, what's happening. It gives you more strength to continue to just stand firm because you know who you are, not just you, but you know who you are in Christ and you know what God has called you to. So you know where you're standing on. You have that God confidence. Amen. You have that God confidence to continue to um, keep pressing forward. Amen. Okay. So we got that, right? So that's why we need God's righteousness. So let's go now. Our third question. We're going to go um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking right now. Um, okay, let's do that. It's fine. So our third question is, we're going to go to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi, right? So to make sure we all understand, the Old Testament is the books of Genesis to Malachi. How did the people of God have righteousness before Christ came to earth, right? Because right now, this is, that's Jesus. So how did the people before that know, how did they have righteousness in, in, in God right before Christ came? So um, we have to go a little back in order to have a full understanding of righteousness. That's what we're doing that. You know, this is why people do 23andMe. Have you guys heard about 23andMe, the DNA why do you think people do that? People do that because they want to know their history. They want to know their background because it further uh, in, uh, builds their life. It, it rounds them out better. They have a better understanding. So we need to go back in order to have that full understanding. So that's what we're going to do today, except we won't need your spit or anything. I just need you to fully listen and be uh, uh, apply what, what God is speaking to you this morning. Amen. So the people of God in the Old Testament were the Israelites. Okay. So when we say people of God in the Old Testament, it's the Israelites, Jewish people. This is uh, the people of God in the Old Testament. It doesn't take away from us because, because we are engrafted. Um, if you guys have ever come across that verse that says that we are engrafted in, uh, into the olive tree, that is us. We are the Gentiles that have been engrafted because of Jesus. Okay, so we are then, therefore, in the same inheritance with the Israelites. So I want us to have that full. It doesn't just, it's, does, this doesn't just only pertain to them. It also pertains to us. That's my whole point. 
Um, so the people of God is that were justified and righteous because they observed the law. Leviticus 19, 1 to 36 outlines some of the moral and ceremonial laws. I'm, I don't want to read them because it's a lot. It's, 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 it's a lot. If we go to Deuteronomy, um, you'll read a lot, a lot more other commandments and rules. Leviticus outlines moral and ceremony laws that you would have to follow in order to be morally right, in order to be righteous. Okay. God considered people who obeyed him and his laws to be righteous. People would have to follow the law and the commandments to the T. Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, which is referred to as the second law. This is where Moses explains and outlines the commandments. Okay. People think it's just the Ten Commandments. It is not. It is the, the Ten Commandments, the statutes, and the law for the people of God before they entered the promised land. Okay. So before the people entered into the promised land, God gave Moses these laws, these statutes, all right? The way you can liken that, you know, has your, when you were little, did your mother ever give you the speech before you left the house, right? Did she ever give you the speech? When you go, you go to visit a friend's house, to visit a family member, what was she saying? Don't eat anything outside. Make sure you use your, your say no thank you, yes please, use your, your yes and thank you. Sit down properly. I don't want you running everywhere. You're going to be behave while we're out. Mom gives you her mama rules before you walk out the house, right? God gave an outline. I want you to have a picture of it so that you understand it better. God the Father gave his people rules, outlines, so that when they entered the promised land, they would know how to behave, how to, how to, uh, uh, what's the word? I can't think of the word right now. How to com conform themselves, how to pro be proper, right, with one another, how to deal with, it. there's so many laws, so many statutes to deal with uh, one another, how to, with God, uh, so, so many things, but that was the reason for it. And we'll see it in Deuteronomy chapter four, verses one through six, and I'm going to read it. This one I'm going to read because I want us to understand it. Deuteronomy chapter four, verses one through six. It says, now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgment, which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal of Peor. But you who hold fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them, in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people who will hear all these statutes and say, 
Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What does that scripture tell us? All the statutes and the laws and the commands were meant to keep the people safe. Number two, they were meant to out, so they would outshine the other nations. They were meant to set them apart in wisdom and understanding. They were meant to be the elite of the elite. That is why the rules came into play. This is why they were called a holy nation because they were set apart. They were standout people. They lived differently. They saw things differently. They were righteous. They followed right. They did right. Are we following? This sounds like the, the speech that your mom, that's why, that's the first thing that kind of came to my mind, you know, and this is God, our father. So this is our loving dad telling us how we should comport ourselves in the new land, in the new place. How do we live? The only thing is that, you know how your mom used to give you punishment? There's also punishment for not following the rules. Okay, and sometimes not following the rules could actually mean death. And I want us to understand that because this is the Old Testament. This is before Christ came. I want us to keep keep reiterating that, that to you because it's going to be different once Jesus comes. And we need to understand the fullness of that, right? Okay, so um, the other thing they did, if, the, if there was a sin that um, took away their righteousness or whatever have you, they would have to bring sacrifices to the temple, right? They would have, and the sacrifice had to be unblemished. Unblemished meaning it had no bruise. The animal wasn't deformed. It was free of illness and sickness. It was unblemished. And depending on the sin or transgression or whatever, the priest, you know, the priest would talk to God and then uh, they would tell you what you needed to bring. And this is how the people would live on day to day. And that's quite arduous if, if, if you really think about it. It's it, it it can it can really weigh on a person because you're constantly having to make sure that you're following all the rules and regulations on a daily basis. Okay. Um so the priests uh would, would do that, would bring the, the unblemished animal. Um, to, and I know we're running out of time. Um, I think we're going to have to finish this up next week and I'm going to round it out in a little bit. So he would bring, bring the unblemished animals so that we could, uh, be righteous and justifiable. Amen. So, um, that was the old Testament. So for time's sake, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Uh, the, the last question here was why was Noah considered the preacher of righteousness. Why was Noah considered the preacher of night righteousness? So we're going to go back even more. All right, it's going to take us back to the book of Genesis. Genesis 6, 13 to 14. And God said to Noah, uh, no, let's do Genesis 6, 5 through 8. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast. 
creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Um, just to, to quickly round this out. Noah built an ark in the middle of no water because God brought judgment on the earth in Genesis in the beginning of the world. And he wanted to start over. And he started over with Noah because Noah found grace. And Noah found grace because he obeyed God. And he didn't live like the rest of the world was living. And so God chose him. And he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So once again, we see relationship with God, obedience and faith is why Noah found grace. So uh, next week, we're going to do the New Testament. Um, and we're going to, um, I'm going to probably finish up here because I feel like this is a little bit still loose. Um, and I'm going to start finish where we left off in Noah and then go into the New Testament. Amen. So that's what we're going to do. Um, so today, just to close off, uh, Noah's life and his way of living, his obedience to God's direction made Noah be considered righteous and a preacher of righteousness, even though there was no law during Noah's time. Today we have Jesus. So we who believe and walk with Jesus have no need for like ceremony and all those things. Um, we just can come in because of what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary and commune with him. Amen. Let's close here. Uh, we'll continue next week. So let's pray this morning. Lord, we just thank you for everything that you've done for us, Lord. We thank you for the provision that you made for your creation and for humanity. We have, uh, we thank you that we have a deeper revelation of you and your righteousness, Lord God, that you continue to deepen that revelation, Lord, that the enemy would not be able to have a hand on us, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Put a